the big issue that he's having or just pitching out of the stretch? Or, you know, what do you notice uh, isn't quite there for Steven right now? You know, uh, Pete, um, one of the things that, you know, is never talked about, and, and you just mentioned it, the most important thing is, other than the outliers, and I'm talking about Scherzer and Kluber and, you know, um, Kershaw, most pitch, almost every single pitcher pitches the same way, and that is, is that during the course of the game, there's four or five outs that you have to get. And I mean the guys on second and third with two outs and the seventh place hitter is up. Um, if you're going to have a successful game, and uh, the real good ones do it, uh, you know, eight or nine times out of ten, and the guys that are struggling are the ones that are struggling uh, with people on base. So it's no different for Steven, no different for Matt. Uh, one of the reasons they had a tough season is because when they needed that out, needed that pitch, they did not get it. And um, that is something that uh, all pitchers have to deal with, and uh, and, they're, and they're no different. So uh, hopefully this year uh, they'll get that one uh, to five outs that they need during the course of the game uh, to hold the other team down. And then, you know, with uh, Matt Harvey here, uh, you know, he doesn't want to talk about last year at all. And... Whether he wants to do it through the media or not, fine. But yeah. do you think you have to take that head on at some point this offseason when you're Matt Harvey so you don't fall into some of the same cycles and, and self-doubt that we heard from him after many games last year? You know, I, I, I think I'm going to give him a break in this sense, is that when you have a tough year, um, I, I think think about it in, in the athlete's way or even thinking about it as a a regular human at home. Uh, when things have been going really bad, sometimes, you know, just trying to forget about it and not talk about it makes you move forward. And I, I think for Matt, I think the season was just uh, so bad for him last year that to continue to talk about it, I think uh, for him, uh, maybe in a fragile way, it, it, it will bring about you know, uh, negative feelings. So maybe to put it on the back burner and not talk about it at all, is a way for him to move forward, to think positively, um, and to and to and to try to uh, make this season just uh, you know uh, a, a fresh and a new one. And I think it's a uh, you know I've seen other players do it before. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't work. Um, but uh, I, I think I think it's uh, I, I have no problem with the approach. How about the stuff? Does it look better now than it did in September to you? I thought the stuff um, uh, late in the season was coming out of his hand very good. He wasn't getting the results he'd wanted, yeah. uh, certainly, uh, but the ball was coming out nice. I think the ball has been coming out nice in spring training uh, so far. What I, what I like about him, that um, what I've seen in his first two starts now, when we're talking about five innings or so, is that he's varied his pitches, varied his speeds. Um, he's really gotten back to where he's trying to paint that low and outside the righties, inside at the waist to lefties. He's really that glove side strike that he owned in some of his best years. Uh, he's trying to relocate, and I think that's a, a great step forward. And we're talking again uh, with Ron Darling of SNY. Uh, Jacob DeGrom was able to throw a bullpen today. Uh, looked good doing it. Was able to take on Tim Tebow and Juan Lagares and Dom Smith with some live BP. Uh, but it looks like it's going to be tough for him to be able to make that start at opening day. At what point should the Mets, and it seems they want to give him every opportunity to make a start that he deserves, but at what point should they say, you know what, start game three, four, whatever it's going to be, but don't worry about opening day? Well, I think every pitcher uh, wants to pitch on opening day. It, you know, it's a, uh, 
um, it's a real feather in your cap, but you, you don't want to sacrifice. So the most important thing for the Mets is that Jacob at some point takes the ball 32 times. And um, so, I, you know, because he lost a little time with his back, uh, because he's playing a little bit of catch-up, I, I really uh, appreciate that Dave Island and Mickey Calloway have had to be the adults in the room. And we've seen in the past that uh, sometimes the pitchers have been able to dictate when and if they're going to pitch, and uh, that's not going to be the case uh, with this uh, kind of new regime. So, uh, you know, they're standard operating procedures. They don't pitch until they throw live BP. He's thrown live BP. He's not going to pitch in a game. And, you know, I, I think he deserves it. I think he had a wonderful season last year, and it would be great to see him pitch on opening day. But uh, more importantly, um, uh, 32 starts and uh, and a chance to maybe uh, maybe win himself a Cy Young will be more important. You've been to plenty of spring trainings as a player, as a broadcaster. W- what stands out to you about this new regime with Mickey Calloway, Dave Island, the pitching coach, uh, and others being a part of things here? Well, yeah, it's 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 a little too early uh, for me because you know I, I'm not in the locker room. If I were in the locker room, I'd probably have more to say, but. You know, I think the, the Dom Smith incident where, uh, you know, he was late and uh, and they took action straight away, I think was something that uh, we haven't always seen done in the past. Uh, I think uh, uh, seeing the athletes, the kind of shape that they're in, um, a little leaner, uh, a little fitter, uh, I think is, is a good thing to see. Um, I think, uh, you know, Mickey has a very infectious personality. Uh, he's got a very winning kind of personality, and I think that's going to uh, serve well. Now, now, whenever I talk about this, I, I feel so disingenuous because, you know, Terry Collins did a fantastic yeah. job. And, uh, you know, he pulled this uh, organization through some real tough times and then got into the World Series and then the wild card game, two successive years. So I, I, I don't want to talk as though – you know, Mickey is is changing what used to be. Terry did a great job of himself. But sometimes uh, you just need to hear it from a different person. And I think that's really what Mickey's going to be for this ball club. It's a, just a, kind of a reboot uh, for this organization moving forward. How long does that last, that you know, honeymoon period, the breath of fresh air with, with someone you know, a little different telling you, you know, what to do, how to do things, whatever it is, as the manager? It lasts uh, easily through spring training, and then uh, if you win, it lasts all season, <laughs> and if you lose, it uh, uh, it goes away very quickly. So, um, you know, this is a tough town. This is a just-win-baby town, you know. So, um, um, and Mickey's going to, you know, when they go through their first tough time, and every team goes through that, when they go through their first, first tough time, that'll be uh, uh, when uh, – being the manager of the New York Mets is going to be the most important uh, time of, of Mickey's life. Right now, it's pretty easy. He's just trying to figure out who he's got, what they can do, and how they're going to fit on his ball club. And again, uh, talking to Ron Darling right now, you know, Brandon Nimmo has been impressive this spring. He hit well, of course, at the end of last year as well. What kind of push do you think he can make against Juan Lagares to try to get as much of that playing time as possible until you know Michael Conforto is back in the fold? Well, if the season ended today, uh, sorry, if the, if, if, if the season started today, yeah. I think Nimmo and Lagares will be splitting time. I think Lagares will play against the left-handers and Nimmo against the right-handers, and both uh, may be leading off. Um, I think that's how well Nimmo has played so far. I think that's how impressed the Mets were with, uh, with his uh, hard work last year when he had to play a lot of games. 
So um, I, I think uh, things are very favorable for the way that Nimmo plays. He does a lot of the stuff they like, getting on base. Um, and for a team that's not very athletic, and I know uh, teams don't like to hear that, but athletic, I mean, there's no real team speed. Yeah. Uh, you're not going to see a lot of guys scoring from first uh, uh, on a double. You know, he gives them some of that stuff that uh, that they need. And, uh, um, you know, Brandon Nimmo, I think, you know, has turned a lot of probably naysayers who didn't think he could play at this level at a high uh, at a high level. Uh, is proving them wrong. No, he definitely is, uh, and that's certainly true. One position that it does worry me a little bit in spring, and I know it's still fairly early in spring training, but you know that first base position, Adrian Gonzalez uh, hasn't looked like he's turned back the clock. You had the Dom Smith issues early on. He's been out with a, a quad injury. How do you see first base playing out? Is there anything that – what do you see from Adrian Gonzalez? I know he's a veteran, so maybe we should give him the benefit of the doubt, but it's been a couple of years since you know he's been a truly effective player. Yeah, I, I think he's going to be fine. I'm not worried about uh, Adrian Gonzalez. I think that you know uh, if he's healthy and he, and he looks 100%, uh, that he'll do what he always does, and that's 25-plus. Uh, uh, 85 plus, uh, hit 280 plus. So I'm not worried about him. I'm not worried about the other corner either with Todd Frazier. The only thing that, that worries me, uh, up the middle is the health of Cavi, uh, Stribble Cabrera mm-hmm. and how much he can move around at second base. Uh, you know, he's had some injuries in the past and, uh, you know, it's at, at this point in his career, um, he's going to have to stay pretty healthy to play a pretty, um, uh, tough position. And then Rosario, you know, hasn't played in a couple of days. I'm not worried about the injury he has now. But, um, you know, if Dominic Smith is not going to go north, every team in baseball is built, every good team in baseball, is built around young, everyday players. And, you know, Rosario and Smith are supposed to be the two people that are going to be um, the young, everyday players from the Mets. It looks like Smith might need a little more seasoning. But um, Rosario is so important, I think, for this ball club. And then the final thing for me is is the health of Conforto. Um, I, I can't overemphasize how important he is to this ball club. He was their best hitter last year. Um, he serves a lot of, of different roles. And, um, you know, if you don't have him back till the middle of the season, yeah. uh, then you're in trouble. But it looks like he's ahead of the game as far as his health is concerned. And the sooner the better. Took some live BP today, uh, so a big plus for Conforto. And go back to the middle infield. That's why it's been good to see Luis Guillorme have the kind of spring that he's had in case Rosario or Estrubal Cabrera, you know, you need somebody to fill in at those middle infield spots. Yeah, Guillorme is uh, interesting because, you know, he doesn't have the kind of body that you usually see from a middle infielder. He's kind of a stocky kind of guy. But boy, his feet, uh, his footwork uh, is amazing. Um, I like what he's doing as far as hitting the ball to all fields. Um, he's a very smart player. Um, I think that's an important thing for any ball club. So, um, you know, uh, he, he's going to see some time in the major leagues this year, uh, whether it's as, as a starter in case someone goes down or as a, uh, as a fourth, uh, sorry, fifth infielder. Um, but he's definitely going to see some major league time. Yeah, it'll happen. And something uh, I heard on the broadcast today, uh, you've never seen the show Friends, Ron? I, I have not. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I knew as soon as I said it that I'm going to get a lot of you-know-what from, from people about it. And it's not that I'm anti-Friends. It's not. It's just probably my age takes me out of the demographic to have watched Friends. So, um, 
I, I guess to your viewers out there, I am uh, a big Jennifer Aniston rom-com guy. So <laughs> okay. uh, uh, maybe not friends, but uh, um, but 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 I'm just you know I'm, I'm the wrong age. That's it. It's not my fault. Well, I'm sure uh, Wilmer can reenact any episode you might uh, want to see and uh, give you give you a whole show there. But uh, Ron Darling, SNY, uh, you know, former terrific Matt and uh, Ron. It's always great to have you on, and we appreciate you sharing your insights. Thank you very much, Pete. Take care. All right, you too. And uh, a lot there. We'll, we'll chat about it when we come back. 800-321-0710, the number as well. It's a T-shirt Tuesday. Call into the show. Get on the air. You win yourself a Mets T-shirt. So a lot to do. Again, 800-321-0710. Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy on The Voice of New York, 710-WOR. We're back in the WOR Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy. I just uh, chatted with Ron Darling, SNY, and uh, you know, I think you know Ronnie and I you know, see things pretty similarly as far as the, the starting pitching goes. That you know, for some guys it's meaningful, for some guys it's not that meaningful. These first couple of spring training outings, but for you know Stephen Matz, Matt Harvey, it it is, and it matters what these guys are are able to show. Uh, you know, Ronnie's given the benefit of the doubt to Harvey, not wanting to talk about last year. I mean, it raises a flag to me, uh, considering that. You know, he was fragile to some degree. His self-confidence was hit hard over the course of last year and, and even the year before at times as well. And you could point to it being the physical issues, of course, but it, it seemed to go, you know, further than that. And, and the fact that he hasn't, you know, been, isn't willing to address it and just out of sight, out of mind with last year. I don't, I don't think that's a, uh, you know, a, a great, thing you know for uh for the Mets there but you know Ronnie too impressed with uh Luis Guillorme and when he's been able to show at spring training this year says he thinks he'll be up at the big league squad and in some kind of role at some point see it the same way as far as that goes um you know Nimmo and Ligaris you could see them splitting playing time which it wouldn't be a true split if they are platooning because you know you have more right-handed starting pitchers and lefties than Nimmo will be facing and I think you know Nimmo at the top of the order he's, he's a better leadoff guy than Juan Lagares, and you need somebody who can hit in that spot and get on base, uh, considering they don't have a whole lot of that going around in this order. And as much as you love Lagares' defense, you know, Nimmo's okay out there. He's not Lagares in any way, shape, or form, but it gives you so much more offensively that, you know, I would have liked to see you know, and, and still want to see a little more from Lagaras in terms of you know the new launch angle swing that he has. Is he going to be able to hit for some more power? Uh, how will that translate? We haven't been able to see a whole lot from Lagaras who you know missed some time early on this spring with a hamstring injury, but uh, you know he's back in there now, and I think there's pressure on Lagaras to try to win back his job rather than uh, seeing Nimmo you know chip away at it. And, and I think going into the spring. We would have guessed Lagares is going to see the vast majority of the playing time in center field, and Nimmo has changed that conversation with how he has performed over the last few weeks. Uh, 800-321-0710 to get involved. Uh, let's grab some calls here on a T-shirt Tuesday. You call into the show, get on the air, you get yourself a free Mets T-shirt. Roger and Howell, how are we doing tonight, Roger? Good, Pete. How are you doing? Good, you good. Mentioned, you mentioned Jerry Kuzman before, and I, I go back a lot of years with the Mets. And I, I have a tough question for you, but I'm not going to let you off the hook. Right. If, if it's a World Series game and you saw all these guys, all these pitchers that have come through during their careers, it's a World Series game and you have to win that one World Series game, 
looking at these guys over the course of their careers, not at their best, over the course of their careers, what Met pitcher do you choose to win that World Series game? Seaver. You pick Seaver. And you mentioned Kuzman, and I would take Kuzman over Seaver because I thought he was a better money pitcher. Not a better pitcher, but a better money pitcher. All right, so you thought Kuzman was better in those uh, the big spots, but, you know. I don't know. I feel pretty good about Seaver. (laughs) If you go back, Seaver was beaten in game one in 69. He was beaten in 73. Kuzman came up big in both times. Um, I always thought that Kuzman didn't get his due. I actually actually would have taken Kuzman over time uh, in those big games. Not every day. Uh, It's a little harder for me. I don't have a feel for, you know, who is the big game pitcher, the money guy. Uh, You know, I wasn't quite around with the, you know, the 69 team. But, uh, but yeah, and there is something to be said for being a money guy. But I'll I'll take the, you know, the the Hall of Famer and and Tom Seaver. And, you know, if we take the same question with this group now, I I think Jacob DeGrom is the guy, right? You'd say DeGrom is the guy you want in the big spot, even if, Noah Syndergaard has the better stuff and may ultimately have the better numbers. It, DeGrom's the guy you want in the big spot. He feels like the money pitcher. He's the one who you know, pitched as well as he did in Game 5 of the Division Series against the Los Angeles Dodgers and you know, was able... I mean, it looked like he was going to be dead and buried in the first inning and then again in the second, and he was able to march through and, and give the Mets six innings of two-run ball. Uh, that's something he's been able to do quite a bit over the course of his career. So I, I can understand it's not always the best guy most accomplished, but I don't know. It's kind of a wide chasm to me between uh, Seaver and Kuzman. 800-321-0710. Joe in Richmond, Virginia. What's up, Joe? How you doing, Pete? Uh, first off, I just want to say thanks. Uh, you know, you could do a good show. You help me get through the, uh, the night because I work night. But, uh, Thank you. I was, I've been listening too often, buddy. I was listening to, like, you know, all these sports shows, and they talk about how the most farm system, you know, ain't really nothing. But watching these games, I find to it seems a little better than people have been talking about. And I was just curious on your opinion on that. Yeah, Guillaume has been the guy to me. I mean, who else have you seen that's really, you know, pumped you up I about the I'm system? Not, I'm not exactly sure of his name, but the outfielder, Brasnick or something like that. I'm not sure of his last name. He seems to like a good, good, good player. Yeah, I, I'm not, I don't think he's... Um, you know, a name prospect, but, uh, you know, Guillaume's been a plus. Thanks for the call, Joe. And that's been nice to see. Chikini's bounced back in a nice way. Now, he's got to do it more than just a couple of weeks, considering how bad a season Chikini had at AAA last year. But, you know, he had a home run off Kershaw at one point last season. Otherwise, it was a mess for him. But uh, if Chikini could show a little something, that would be nice. Uh, but otherwise, you know, most of the better prospects for the Mets, they're at single A and below. And that's that's what it what it is for them. They don't have another Ahmed Rosario. They don't have another, you know, Cindergaard, DeGrom. They don't have another one of these big-time players coming up the pike that you expect to make a, a Major League debut this year. Guillaume's a nice player. He might end up being an everyday second baseman, but he's not, you know, a, a big-time hyped prospect. He's ranked number 10 in the Mets organization as far as top prospects go. And, and the top your talent is a little further down. So, uh, you know, that's that's the issue for the Mets 
you know, overall, as far as the you know young talent goes, and I think you know spring training could fool you a little bit, uh, especially when you start getting late into the games and you have a lot of the no names in there, and there are no name pitchers as well. Uh, what I'd like to see is some of these relievers that the Mets went out and acquired last year. I like to see some of those guys really grab some attention and and show some big time stuff. They had the one kid Batista who's got great stuff. Otherwise the other guys really jump out at you and they, they kind of seem interchangeable from, you know, Rame to Callahan to is it Drew Smith? Uh you know, to me it's it's all a mishmash of kind of the same guy uh until, you know, one of them could separate. And and that's that's what you want to see at some point, whether it be the spring training or uh over the course of the year. Wayne and Trenton, what's up, Wayne? Hey, how you doing, Pete? I'm good. What's going on? Hey, uh, congratulations on your wedding. Oh, thank you. Hey, look, uh, I got a few things. Uh, as far as Harvey goes, you know, he's always had an attitude, and uh, I thought last year it might have humbled him a little, but it, it sounds like no. Nope. You should you the same old Harvey. I, I thought the same thing. Yesterday. I really thought that he would be a little more humble this year, maybe a little more open with some yeah. stuff, and he's been the exact opposite. It really has right. surprised me because at times after games last year, he would seem like he was burying his soul a little bit. I, I I, I thought the same way. I really did, Wayne. And it, it does concern me that he doesn't seem to be humbled by last year or, or that he doesn't want to acknowledge it at all. It's weird to me. Right. And I saw him pitch yesterday. Um, I only saw the first two innings, so maybe the, the third inning he was throwing 96. He I, touched 96 I, I, I once. Saw him throwing 92, 93. Yeah, he's throwing, he, he was in 95 for a lot of it. He touched 96. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he had some pitches down there. Um, in in the low 90s too, but he touched 96, so that becomes the number that everyone talks about. Um, but yes, yeah, yes, I, he he was yeah, sitting he was sitting a little lower than that. But you know, I, I just the, the command wasn't great. It was good. Right. He got outs. That's important for him, you know, mentally right now. But I don't right. see you know this big Matt Harvey uh, renaissance coming based on what I saw yesterday. Right, I wasn't impressed. And uh, as far as uh, I'm getting a little upset about the darno Pawecki thing, is there any chance, you know, or what do you, what do you think the chances are that maybe Lucroy might fall in their lap? Uh, close to zero, unless one of those guys uh, get hurt. Uh, I, I, I don't think they're going to affect that position. The Mets, every time they talk about the catching position, they seem confident in what they could get out of those two. I know they're in love with, with what those what those two can do. I, I'm real curious about Plawecki though. I am. He he played real well at the end of last year. I'm. I think that if anyone's going to grab that job, it is Plawecki, and he's someone who, you know, he's looked good this spring. He's hit some line drives, the opposite field, some base knocks. He's going to hit eighth okay. probably, and you know he's better defensively than Darno. So I think Plawecki's the guy you want to see get an opportunity. But unless somebody gets hurt, I, based on what the Mets have said, all. Winner, I don't see Luke Roy. Well, we'll see what happens. And who was that prospect you were talking about that you and Ron said would would pop, would most likely come up? I didn't, I didn't uh, hear that. Yeah, Luis Guillorme. Uh He's a defense first middle infielder. And thanks for the call, Wayne. Enjoy the T-shirt. But uh, he's hit well. He hit well last year at Double A Binghamton, and he's really looked good uh, thus far this spring training. So. I think you'll see Guillaume at some point and you know, it gives him a little insurance for Estrubal Cabrera who's, you know, looked a bit 
long in the tooth, and uh, even you know Ron expressed uh, a little bit of concern as far as Cabrera goes. So you know, if second base is going to become a position the Mets need to fill, uh, you know, Guillaume might get an opportunity there at some point. Wilmer Flores could get a chance there, depending on you know how it shakes out at first base, and if Adrian Gonzalez can turn back the clock a little bit. Ronnie felt good that Gonzalez would be able to be you know the guy that he's always been we haven't seen it thus far this spring but uh you know he is a guy that's probably pacing himself uh in spring training but uh yeah i, I think guillorme at some point he'll he'll be up he'll be maybe not a huge role but some kind of factor for this team and you need to have you know some depth at triple a because guys are always getting hurt you know it's not just the mets it's every team but it seems to be the mets a little bit more you got to have those guys and i think the mets are a little deeper than they were last year though you know you start going into triple a and they don't they don't have a whole lot at every position. They lose a couple of outfielders. They're in big trouble. They don't have anybody in the outfield uh, down there at AAA that you feel good about. But you know where the problem areas are: second base, first base, being two that could be problematic for them. You know they do have Dom Smith, they do have Guillaume, they do have Chikini. Uh, you know maybe not guys you're thrilled to be thrown out there for long periods of time, but that you can get away with for a, a little while, buy some time until. You, know, you make a move or you know do what uh, do what you need to do. Eight hundred three two one zero seven ten. The number to get involved. The T-shirt Tuesday. Um, you'll hear uh, from Mike Piazza a fiery rant from Piazza. I can't remember too many fiery rants from Piazza's time with the Mets, but this was uh, this is a good one. Kind of an all timer. And we'll have that for you. We'll probably hit it in the eight o'clock hour. We'll take some more uh, calls coming up. Uh, it's the Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy on the Voice of New York seven ten W O R. We're back in the WOR Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy. Uh, another sobering David Wright story today. Uh, Joel Sherman of the Post uh, had uh, a story today. He's you know, hanging out in the, the Mets clubhouse. He's talking with Jay Bruce, and, and they were chatting about Scott Rowland, who was a big influence on Bruce early on in his career when Rowland was finishing out his career with the Cincinnati Reds. And um, you know, he's talking about, you know, Roland as a potential Hall of Famer, and David Wright chimed into the conversation. And, uh, you know, Joel brought the point that David Wright had, had those kinds of numbers early on in his career and basically, you know, compared him to, to Roland as well as George Brett up to their age 30 seasons or so. And, you know, for David Wright, um, you know, basically the way Joel Sherman did it, he had an A, a B, or a C. Uh, and, you know, rather than names of the players and just the numbers. And he had, you know, David try to guess who is who. Uh, so, you know, David asked if one of them was an active player. And, and Joel says yes. And that, of course, was David. So, you know, David responded to that saying, hey, I'm just glad you called me a current player. And, you know, then, um, you know, looking at how terrific his numbers were that first half of his career you know right says you don't realize it going through it but this makes you feel good about the kind of player i was and yeah you know i think any mets fan your heart breaks for david wright uh to you know um as far as not having the end of a career that uh, he would certainly have, have liked to have here, but you really see you know, the chances of him being any kind of impact or, or getting on the field at all for the Mets in 2018 is virtually nil. And he's still going in there and putting in the work every day. And uh, as he said, try to you know be able to put his head on the pillow at the end of the day and feel he's done all that he could do to come back. Uh, but that seems to be what 
David Wright's days are, you know, going to the park, not playing, but doing a bunch of exercises, trying to rehab as best he can without a whole lot of hope that he's going to be able to contribute really in any way for this Mets team besides, you know, being somebody to talk to or, or to lend some advice. Uh, 800 go to Joe in Queens. How are we doing, Joe? Yeah, how you doing, Pete? Uh, if you could ask Tim Clues about the guard, uh, Kashmir, seems to have really had a late-season scoring barrage, so I just, I'm curious about that. But getting to baseball, mm-hmm. uh, you know, these free agents that are still in limbo, uh, what's your latest take on that whole issue? All, all the free agents are still out there? Yeah, yeah. I think teams uh, haven't wanted to, you know, break the piggy bank as much as they have in years past. And you have a couple of forces in play. One, players don't age as well as they did 10 to 15 years ago without performance enhancers. And I think teams have just kind of looked at the economics of it and said, hey, we could call up a guy from AAA, pay him the league minimum, you know, he'll give us X amount, or we can. You know, sign a free agent to a six-year deal, and by the last two years of that deal, we'll get the same amount for, as that you know AAA player, except we're paying him eighty times as much. So, you know, teams don't want to have the long-term contracts. Players are still trying to seek them out, and I think you have a, a bit of a stalemate as far as this goes. At some point, you'd like to see. You know, like the Mets did with Cespedes. They don't want to give him a six-year deal. They gave him four years, but they paid him a lot per year. I thought we'd see more deals like that to kind of break that stalemate, but it really hasn't come to fruition in that way, and these guys are just waiting it out now. Well, it's funny. When I was a kid, my uncle used to give us the baseball register, and I did notice that you know, it would give the whole career statistics of the players in, in, in that format, and it kind of showed that some guys would, like a Brooks Robinson at the time, would have, you know, a full career where they were good from, uh, you know, year to year. And then some guys would just have, like, a coalescence of, like, four or five good years. And after that or before that, they really weren't performing. Yeah, I mean, the, the peak for players is typically 27 to 31. And, you know, that's kind of been dropping. And, and certainly teams are recognizing that. But really, it's dropping, I think, because, and thanks for the call, Joe, but because of how much you had to pay. You know, listen, if you got a 26 year old versus a 32 year old, you're paying that 26 year old a lot less based on how the sport is, is set up, where guys, they don't make the big money until they reach free agency. So that, that's part of what you have going on here. Uh, and, you know, the players, the longer they sit out, they're, they're starting to reach the point now where they won't be ready for opening day, or if they're able to play on opening day, they're not going to be as effective as you'd like to be. You know, within a week, you're going to reach that point. So, you know, for someone like, you know, we mentioned Jonathan Lucroy before, I got to think he's looking for a one-year prove-it deal somewhere where he might be able to play and really get an opportunity. Maybe Washington will be the place where that happens if, you know, they're not happy with Matt Wieters who didn't do a whole lot for them last year. Uh, you know, but a guy like Jake Arrieta, let's say, the top pitching prospect still out there, I wouldn't sign a one-year deal if I were him. I'm not settling for a, a show me year if I'm a pitcher because you know chances are something could go wrong. You know the elbow could go, the shoulder can go. You don't have as much confidence you can make it through the year healthy. It's just the nature of that position. 
So if I'm Jake Arietta, I'm not settling right now. I'm looking to get paid. If I got to sit out a year, so be it. And I'll be curious to see how it plays out for a lot of these guys. Still, Mike Mustakis as a free agent. Uh, you know, some of the the bigger names that were available, and, and Mustakis, hey, just his reputation has been. Uh, hit not as a man, but as a as a ball player. That you know the scouts love him, but he's not as good when you start looking at the you know sabermetrics and and the the advanced numbers. And and teams have relied on that rather than you know trying to look at an eye test or you know how a guy performed in big spots when the Royals were going to back to back World Series. Uh, so yeah, it it continues to play out. It's surprising to me considering you know all these teams are getting. 50 plus million dollars from Major League Baseball as a windfall payment this offseason. And yet, you know, teams are uh, keeping it within. 800 321 Mike Piazza, as you've never heard him before. That's coming up. Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy on the Voice of New York, 710 WOR.